Now that's a good scoop. That's why they call you scoops. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, uh, welcome to The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody, episode number 22. And today we're joined not only by, by Chris Cody, but a very special guest, Juju Gotti, is in the... Uh, in with us today you were about to you were about to say in the building but then you realize we're in, we're in zoom so you're like yes. uh he's uh here <laughs> he's what is atlanta from here you're about 1200 miles away or whatever the distance is or about 12 billion corona cases away <laughs> yes oh man so this is an, an unusual episode juju's going to be with us uh, most of the show today uh, as as like a, a guest co-host and, and we're going to have some fun because juju you were on the show early in our podcast when you're album uh, Dark Nights came out and so our listeners know you from the podcast but mostly uh, from the Levitard show and um, lately you've been uh, in charge of the Levitard show uh, social media yeah yeah what's that been like it's shocking to see that no matter how random the topic is or bland the topic is there's always someone who comes in with a Trump tweet or a, oh, yeah. how come Trayvon Martin is like, whoa, sheesh, I just posted the Miami Heat dancing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're all thinking Dan is tweeting this. So they're just, oh, you liberal this and you don't like that. How dare you? Black Lives Matter. It's like, I'm a black guy. <laughs> I tweeted it, you know? That's I don't want to say that. <laughs> By the way, how's, uh, how's that album doing? If, if you won't promote yourself, I'll, uh, I'll promote for you. Um, it's well, called Dark you. Nights. How, how's it doing? It's doing way better than I anticipated. Uh, of course, the pandemic has factored into it because everyone's home. But compared to my last songs I've dropped and stuff like that, it's like maybe 500% increase of wow. listens and downloads. And that's definitely a blessing. I got another one coming as well. Uh, coming soon. It's just, I'm so scared to go to the studio and be around people that I'm just holding off for a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's definitely there and prepared. Tease us a little bit. On the next one, there's going to be a uh, dance Danzig part two. <laughs> it's already done that's that's it part two is this a back. is this a world exclusive that the greg cody show is getting right now yeah they are back to back <laughs> uh, drake style he didn't respond so i'm back to back in them <laughs> that's that's it part two coming soon now that's a good scoop that's why they call you scoops <laughs> yeah i appreciate that yes yes sir can we just talk about this Lou Williams story? I mean, that's what I want to get into. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I, I want to just like do the whole show on this. So like for the people that don't know, okay, so like let's set this up for the audience. So he's in the bubble with the Clippers. He gets a leave to go to a funeral, I believe I read. And then he ends up getting photographed by some rapper, was it? At a, an, was, it Atlanta, was it an Atlanta strip club? It was here in Atlanta. Uh, so, so we have... We, we, we go to Juju, who is in the city, like Juju reporting live from Atlanta. Juju, what can you tell us about this story? This story is bonkers, totally nuts. How do you go to a funeral and end up in a strip club? I will never understand. I mean, no, I, not only that, the rapper who took a picture with you, how do you let him take the picture? Like, I, I would have smacked the phone out of his hand before he even 
put it on camera mode. That is the conversation that I want to be a fly on the wall. I want to see, like, does Lou Williams text this guy? Like, yo, (laughs) blowing up my spot, man. What the like, and then the, then a the guy was like, "Oh, this is an old picture. I was just rehashing all the time." But he has an NBA certified mask on. That they is, didn't give those out to a week ago. That is the move right there. When you, <laughs> that is the move. That's an old pick. I just missed my boy Lou. Right when his yeah. mask says NBA 2020 startup, <laughs> it like literally said July 22nd, like on it. <laughs> now welcome back, WNBA. <laughs> Before we uh, crucify Lou Williams, is there any chance that the funeral was at the strip club? Because, mm. for a second, what if the deceased was uh, the owner of the strip club and he mm. wanted his funeral at the club? I mean, come on, let's give <laughs> Lou the benefit of the doubt here. The part that, like, obviously this, this story is just kind of funny because it just, like, I don't know, okay. like, I, I know someone died with the funeral, that part's not funny, but just this story is a funny story, but let's step aside and like I could never go to a strip club right now. Like, right. I, like I guess there's just people out there that don't think this thing is real because like, right. I, if I was in a club right now with like hundreds of people around me, I would be so terrified. It's like my nightmare right now. Exactly. I couldn't even, I can't even imagine being around someone like so. my homeboy. He came to my house the other day. He knocked on my door. I, told him out the window. I yep. said, bro, what are you doing? Like, yep. uh, leave it on the porch. Like, please. And yep. you got a little mad or whatever. I'm like, hey, I don't care. Be mad at me. Friendship over. I'd rather lose your friendship Dude. than get corona. My worst nightmare. Yeah. I literally can't believe it. I saw I, I saw in Houston there was a, a drive-through strip club. Like this one, this one strip club, like you can like drive through and you get like two songs max. And I guess you're throwing dollars like out the window. Right. I'm, actually, I'm actually not kidding. Like that's like a legit thing. Yeah, I think that as well. That, that's crazy. That's literally crazy. Also the NBA, they were so like, oh, we're going to come back. It was a big damper on the messaging that was already established. Right. Like, which I feel like was insulting in the first place. Like, right. oh, we're going to come back but we don't want to take any attention off the the movement. It's like, I can walk and chew gum at the same time, bro. Go shoot some hoops. I can keep my wear intact, but it just might, makes it more ridiculous seeing people do that, that kind of stuff. Plus, sports is integrating the BLM movement and, and social justice and all that stuff in the return. I mean, you know, right. baseball, baseball is doing it of all sports. Right. You know, with MLB and, and BLM and, you know, it's been it's been like a, a big love in all of a sudden between sports and and social justice, which is great. I mean, it's it's one of the good things to come from this crazy 2020 is that sports is really uh, rising up and um, becoming an outspoken part of all this. Now, I want to talk about opening day baseball. Greg, did you see Fauci's opening uh, pitch that he threw? <laughs> it's been the highlight of the season for me. I thought Fauci's pitch was uh, was spectacular. It only missed the plate by about a quarter of a mile. And, uh, <laughs> what about the thought, Juju, Juju I want to get your take on this. Uh, what about the theory that Fauci didn't want the catcher to touch the same ball that he touched, so he threw it just like towards the dugout? Because he's like, I don't want the, my germs to get to the catcher because I'm so anti this pandemic that I'm going to help him out and throw it towards the dugout. What do you guys think? Any thought? Any I think that's a kick save and a butte <laughs> when it comes to how horrible 
I'm gonna throw where you are. <laughs> he the throws best. just about as bad as the the little kid from the Sandlot who would just run the ball from yes. the outfield to <laughs> he should have did that. Smalls. That would have been so funny. <laughs> he ran it to the catcher. Who were the right. there's some bad ones. Fifty cent. Had a oh, terrible yeah. first pitch. I'm trying to think back <laughs> of some of the words. Baba Bowie, the Howard Stern producer. I don't know if people know him, but yeah, he yeah. had a really historic bad one. I really want to do it. I, I tried to fight for it on Greg Cody night. I feel like I would just <laughs> heme a strike right in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's it's, they you know, yeah, they as, someone, as someone who has done it. Here we go. I know. <laughs> I, look, I have a little bit of athleticism. I mean, I, I have played no, I know, sports. and. Yes. For, for me, if if you have any athleticism and you practice a couple of times, yeah. what is your excuse for throwing it so far off? The moment. The moment getting you. I don't know, man. There's no excuse. I'd rather really really see an underhand toss like, uh, what is it, Rick Barry yeah. style yeah. than anything else. <laughs> or or, a, or a Rookie of the Year, the mom, just the floated. Right. <laughs> Which is I like, by the way, can... a little a little side note. That's the worst ending to a sports movie in history. The big climactic scene where the big hitters up to bat against Henry Rowan Gardner, and the way he gets them out <laughs> is just by floating the pitch. <laughs> like, are you kidding right. me? Anyways, I digress. That thing, thing would have still been in the air. That's what I'm really saying. <laughs> I want to um, all this talk about pitching and baseball. Something is in my craw regarding a, a particular word. And, and you all know I'm sort of like an amateur etymologist. Uh, I love wordplay and the origin of phrases and idioms and all that. And so it, it, this has been bothering me. Why, why do we call left-handed pitchers southpaws? Um, righties are never called northpaws. And, and why are we giving human beings paws anyway, like dogs? Um, Wouldn't it be maybe west? Shouldn't it be westpaw? Because if like, well, you're a lefty, you throw from over here. Yes, here's. I did a little research. Southpaw originated in the late 1800s, and one theory was that baseball diamonds are configured so the batter is facing east to avoid the sun, meaning the pitcher is facing west so that mm-hmm. his left paw is on the south side. But here's what bothers me. Directionally, we think of north as up and south as down, with east and west in the middle on either side. So... The hands are found at the mid. Stay with me here. Okay. The hands are found at the midpoint <laughs> of the tough body. To follow, like okay, keep going. On either side, not north where the head is, or south where the feet are. So the lefty pitcher is an east paw or a west paw, depending on which way he's facing. So my feet would be the south paw. Yes. Right. Right. They should definitely change that. Like uh, with the Me Too movement and all that. Why is it still called a softball for for women? Like wow. Like, that's demeaning, you know? It is. I'd never Call thought of it. Wow. I mean, I think those two things, someone could run for president on those two platforms right there. Let's get rid, <laughs> let's get rid of Southpaw and let's get rid of calling it soft. I mean, the softball thing, see, why is it called softball? The balls aren't soft. Right, exactly. What are you saying? Like, sure. the pitchers are soft? Like, oh, no. Like, that's, that's probably <laughs> that. lying. Well, I'm going to start calling righties North Paws, and that'll make me feel better. That's going to, in print, look for that in print, Miami Herald readers. Uh, right-handed pitchers are now North Paws. Nice. All right, let's get this going. Let's have some fun here. Let's get. Let's do Greg. Let's bring it back. We're going to do Greg's mail sack. It's Greg's mail sack. 
Let's pull your question from the bag and let Greg answer back. Juju, don't get freaked out by this. It's M A I L. So like we're okay. like a, an old postman with a with a mail sack just scurrying on in here, and he's gonna right. ask some questions from Twitter. All right. I was about to say that's what she said. Mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going. I also Juju's got a couple questions too that we're gonna sprinkle in. First one comes in from Peter Morton. He says, other than the PFPI gala, what is your most cherished memories with your sons? I had to make the first question about me. <laughs> wow. Um, I would say sports related. You know, I coached a lot of Christopher and Michael's teams growing up. Uh, I went to most of the games to sit in the stands if I wasn't coaching. Uh, I announced Christopher's baseball games in high school. Uh, so that those are nice memories. And also... Um, we went on a lot of family vacations uh, as a family, and uh, and some of them involved, you know, going to far-flung ballparks in Oakland or St. Louis or all around Atlanta, all around the country, really. The thing that I thought of with you coaching me as a kid, now, you were a pretty good coach. Baseball, you knew your X's and O's. Basketball, yeah. like, I feel like you were strong. I would say soccer was your weakness as a, as a coach, <laughs> as a parent coach, because literally, I wanna, I'm going to reenact what Greg Cody used to do and what he would do. This is it. This was the extent of Greg Cody coaching soccer. Juju, what ju- what jersey color are, are we this season? Just pick a random color. Red. All right, so we're red jerseys. So this is Greg Cody coaching. Go to the ball, Red! Go to the ball, Red! <laughs> that was like the extent of Greg Cody coaching soccer. And you played soccer. So, like, what's yeah. up with that? Well, I was tactically not a great <laughs> soccer coach. Uh, I was a good gung-ho guy. You know, I was a cheerleader coach, uh, but but tactically, um, it was not my strength. I will admit. Will Ferrell and kicking and screaming. <laughs> that is right. a, that is a deep Will Ferrell cut right there. Not a lot of people know that movie. If you have not yeah. seen Kicking and Screaming with Will Ferrell, you have to see it. That movie is so funny. That is such a good reference right there. Juju, what was your best sport? Did you play any sports growing up? Absolutely. I, uh, I played basketball. I also played in college. Like, I was, you know what I mean? Did you have aspirate? Like, what was at one point where you like, let's do this? I'm going to the NBA. I thought I was going to the NBA or my life would be incomplete. Like, <laughs> I was that guy until I went to college and I went to a party. And I was like, hmm, girls. <laughs> My NBA dreams went down the toilet with my GPA. There you go. <laughs> All right, moving on here. This is from Brad Spinner. He goes, I assume that being a garbage man or cemetery caretaker is part of your shtick for the show. But what else would you really have liked to have given a try? Wow. Um, I did want to be those two things. That's not a shtick. Um, and the, the third thing was bus driver, um, school or public bus driver. With, I, I used to like those big bluebird buses with the um, the flat steering wheels. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I was like, wow, I'd love to drive one of those. So, so, if, was, so if the steering wheel was at an angle, you don't want to do it. You only want to do it if the steering wheel is flat. The flat <laughs> wheel where you had to really raise your elbows, that always appealed to me <laughs> visually. But the thing I wanted to be as a kid, uh, I would say into high school, was a radio disc jockey. Um, back in the day, classic days of classic rock, and uh, I always fancied myself a, a DJ on either a rock or a country station, or maybe a, a what R&B or soul station where I could play. You know, my favorite group in high school was 
was guys like Al Green and the Staple Singers, and that's the kind of music that I grew up on. So the idea of being a DJ and being able to play that on the radio really appealed to me. What was your DJ name going to be? Oh, it didn't get that far. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I probably would have had to come up with a DJ name because Greg Cody is not uh, a name that sounds like a DJ. DJ Scoops. That would have been ahead of its time. All right, let's go to a Juju question now. Juju, what do you want to ask my dad? If you were young, young and like in your 20s, 19, around the age of an NBA player, and your girlfriend just so happened to work at the Disney World Resort or wherever the NBA players are staying, I like it. Would you panic in this time where she's all around NBA players 24-7 who haven't seen the women in however long. Like me personally, I would probably break up with her just because, you know what I mean? <laughs> or either something of the facet. But how would you treat that situation? Uh, prob probably very badly. Um, <laughs> I'm a, I do think I have a jealous bone in my body. Um, uh, um, but then again, I'm a very trustworthy Person, a very trusting person. So Great. I don't know how yeah. I'd do that, but it would not be an ideal situation. That's for sure. Right. Imagine yeah, if she was like the, the bartender, the bartender at the bar for the NBA players. Even she was worse. a cute woman. Right. Yeah. She couldn't do anything. If, if she was uh, a maid uh, going in rooms and, and making beds, that wouldn't make oh, me right. feel real good either. <laughs> right. If you love me, you will quit your job, basically. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. That thought would occur to me. <laughs> didn't mom have a boyfriend at the time in college and you kind of like swooped in and stole her from him yeah i mean <laughs> and the opposite was true this uh i don't feel real good about this but your mother was in a long time relationship with a guy i was in a long time relationship with my girlfriend at the time we'd been going together for a couple of years and then your mother and i met and you guys both were just like, that's it. I'm done with mine. You're done with yours. That's that's, kind of, that's actually kind of really sweet. Play well, a player. Look at it that. It didn't make me feel real good. Because which which <laughs> of those did you break yours off cleaner or did she break her? Like, who, which one of those was the messiest breakup? I, I think your mother's because they had been together <laughs> for like seven years. I mean, they were like, why aren't you guys married yet? You know, that type of thing. Whereas my relationship was... Probably the, the longest relationship I'd had, but it was still just a couple of years. Did you even tell her? You just let her? You probably still go with her somewhere in her head. <laughs> just stop calling her. Yeah. <laughs> no, I explained myself um, face to face. I, I don't remember exactly how I put it because it's been a long time ago. But um, did, did you have insecurities about mom rekindling such a long like if she was with this relationship for seven years were you like was there insecurities at the beginning of are you still talking to him i guess you yes. didn't have there wasn't cell phones back then what was she really like was she dipping a feather in ink like <laughs> writing him like a note like how, were you worried about her still contacting him a feather <laughs> in ink i like that visual um <laughs> yes to, to be plain to put it plainly yes and and mm -hmm. the weird thing is to this day uh your you're, mother you're still worried about you're still worried about it no, not at all. But to this day, your, your mother and her ex uh, still have a little bit of a relationship, you know, Facebook friends, that type of thing. Whereas me and my ex have not seen or talked to each other, even via social media Did for it? decades. Have you tried to track her down? Not like to talk to her, but have you looked like typed in her name on Facebook just to see what's up with her? <laughs> He's coughing. Greg Cody's coughing. No, don't mind him. Ed edit that out. Um, 
<laughs> I'm embarrassed to say that uh, yes, I have. That's not embarrassing. That's I think that's very normal. I have Googled uh, her name. And, who's uh, winning? And who's winning? Who's winning at life? You or her? We know the answer to that. Don't answer that. Who's winning at life? Does someone have a tattoo of her on their body? If not, she loses. Yeah, I'm telling you what. That's uh, that's right on top of my resume, Juju yeah, Gotti. But but Greg, you say there, no, that's not why. But that's why you look her up on Facebook. Like that's what you're doing there. You're not doing it to actually speak to her. You're doing that to see what's up with her, see how she's make doing. Sure, make oh, sure she's with Mary LeBron James. Right. Make sure she's not with LeBron. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just I'm, I'm I was curious. You know, I mean, I'm in my 60s now. You know, you don't assume that she's even alive. I wanted to right. see. Whoa. Oh, she's doing, and, right, and took a dark turn. you know, she um, seems to be doing pretty well. She is in the North Carolina area and uh, works at a college, and good for her. You actually did. You made me think of this. Didn't Mom's ex like stay with us one time? I think so. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> I remember your mother and I and her ex going to some carnival or something once, and. Walking around laughing, drinking beer, and you guys you know, ever, uh, you guys you ever, are a trustworthy man. Yeah, it's like, it's as a matter of fact, he and I have played tennis together. Oh my god, how yeah. kinky, how kinky is this relationship? Be honest, <laughs> uh, it, it never got to, to what you're imagining, <laughs> but we, you know, I used to be on friendly terms with him. They're very sure this is the plot of the movie, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's let's get off this topic. By the way, <laughs> this was really good. Honestly, this was like I really enjoyed this topic. Um, <laughs> that was a juju question too. That was really good. All right, this this next one we're not gonna. Have, we've been going long here because we're having so much fun. So we're not gonna have time for too many more. Let's let's do. Matt Anaya says your top ten Miami athletes. Hey Matt, you're in luck. Not only this is Greg's mail sack. We're in the middle of a bit. We have another bit called Greg's top ten. Let's do that right now. Greg's top. Ten. Ten. Greg's top ten. More imaging. Look at this. So much lazy podcast imaging. We have it for any question you need. Greg, give us your top ten Miami athletes of all time. Okay. Um, we're going to be quick with this. Yes, very quick. Num- number ten, Udonis Haslam. Okay. Hey. Number nine, Pavel Burry. Really? Oh my God! Ahead of Udonis? Okay, <laughs> I'll react to these later. Keep going. Number eight, Alonzo Mourning. Okay. Number seven, Giancarlo Stanton. Number <laughs> six, Zach Thomas. Okay. Number five, LeBron James. Okay. Number four, Jason Taylor. Number three, Larry Zonka. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Dan Marino. And number one, Wayne Wade. <laughs> First of all, Miguel Cabrera Jones. Miguel Cabrera is the best Marlin in history. He should be ahead of hand uh, ahead of John Carlos. I cannot believe you have Udonis Haslam below Pavel Bure. I mean, I get you want to throw in your token Panthers player, but just put him at ten. You gotta go Haslam a little higher there. Um, well, Pavel Bure for two years in a row had like fifty goals. Yeah, two years for two years. That's it. Right. And Udonis has had the longevity, but, you know, let's be honest, you know, the last several years of his career, he's a, a bit player. Let's be Udonis. Let's be, let's be honest about Udonis. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Yeah, maybe he I mean, should have been higher on my list, but he should have. He should have been. He's, he's missed, missed the 305. Exactly. So he's missed. Is Pavel Mr. 305? The best thing Pavel Burry ever did was marry DJ Tanner. Anyway, <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Who is DJ Tanner? <laughs> yeah, it might have been his brother that married DJ Tanner. Whatever. One of the Burries married DJ Tanner. I'm having a real banner episode. Uh, Juju, you want to ask Greg another question? You got another one for him? Okay, what is your favorite sports jersey of all time? If wow. you can only have one. I like that. That's, yes, that's an easy answer. It would be uh, a 1967 Red Sox jersey with the number eight and the name that barely fit across, Yastrzemski. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my jersey. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, had a, I, I was such a fan of Yaz that uh, the first cat my wife and I ever owned when we got married and had our first little apartment. Uh, we, we named the cat Yaz. <laughs> How is Yaz? Uh, dead for about 30 years. Dead. <laughs> God rest his soul. All right. I think this is by far. I think we need to bring Juju into every Greg's mail sack segment because this is by far the best one we've done so far. Um, so that's about <laughs> it. We've gone long. Greg, that's it for Greg's mail sack. That's what she said. Hey. Hey. <laughs> All right. Let's, um, Let's say goodbye right now to Juju Gotti, our friend from Atlanta, our great friend Juju. Really appreciate you hanging in the podcast for pretty much uh, most of the episode today. Check Not out his album. Time. Check out his album. Oh, yeah. Dark Nights uh, is his album. And, and look for some new music from him soon as well, we hear. So, uh, Juju, all the best to you, man. Stay, stay healthy and, yes. and stay cloistered. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I'll be girting it up here in Atlanta. And I appreciate everything you've ever done. You know what I mean? Keep doing it. All right. Stay well, my friend. And, uh, and right now, let's get into uh, a special guest. Uh, he's an author named Thomas Wolfe. Just wrote a book with a, a really long title. It's called The Called Shot, Babe Ruth, The Chicago Cubs, and the Unforgettable Major League Baseball Season of 1932. But the real thing we get to the bottom of here is, is Babe Ruth black? <laughs> We do talk to him about that. And uh, this interview interests me because you could make an argument that, uh, and, and you'd, you'd include guys like um, LeBron James and Tiger Woods and, and Tom Brady, but you could make an argument that to this day, Babe Ruth is the largest, most iconic sports figure in, in American history. You could argue that. So let's bring in uh, Thomas Wolfe. Before we dive into this book, um, I have to ask you the, the question that's on everyone's minds. Uh, was Babe Ruth black? <laughs> I don't address that completely in the book. I think there's no real evidence that that's the case. But um, that rumor or um, idea certainly existed at the time and uh, existed among the players he played against. So there were racist taunts towards him. Um, he was very offended by it. Um, he almost got in a fight with the New York Giants, Johnny Rawlings, um, who used that term, you know, used a derogatory term in referring to him. And also he almost got in a fight with Ty Cobb about it. So um, he was very sensitive to that, to that suggestion. I'm wondering, Tom, what fascinated you and enthralled you enough about this man and this season to write about it? My first inclination was to write about the season because I thought it was such a terrific baseball season. I mean, so many Hall of Famers were involved. Um, two great pennant races, and of course the climax was the World Series with the called shot and with two iconic franchises. So 
there were just so many story threads that appealed to me. Um, it, it wasn't my intention initially to really focus on Babe Ruth, but you can't write a book about a season in which Grave Babe Ruth played without the book being about Babe Ruth. A focal point of the book, of course, is the, the main title of it, The Called Shot, one of the most iconic and talked about uh, gestures in, in the history of sports as well. It's a myth and a mystery, uh, which makes it all that much more fascinating to me. Do you dare reach a conclusion on, on whether it was a fact uh, that he gestured and called that home run? Um, I think it's a fact that he gestured, and I think it's a fact that he predicted a home run. I think where the reality breaks down into myth is whether or not he pointed to the exact spot he hit the ball. But that's, to me, that's secondary. Um, the important thing to me and the most dramatic thing and the most remarkable thing is that in that particular environment, 50,000 Cub fans screaming at him, Franklin Roosevelt in the stands, Judge Landis in the stands, Cub players yelling at him, fans throwing lemons at him, that he was able to focus, choose the pitch he was going to hit, and then hit it 450 feet. I mean, that's remarkable. One of the things that uh, fascinated me and surprised me was the hostility of Cubs fans and, and even Cubs players toward Babe Ruth because I sort of grew up with the assumption that here's this beloved figure, universally loved, and, and here he was toward the end of his career where uh, I, I imagined a, a national appreciation tour that whenever Babe Ruth came to bat, he was, it was a standing ovation. And it was quite the opposite in game three of that World Series. What was the context that made him so vilified at that time? I think it goes back um, actually to earlier in the season when the Cubs acquired Mark Koenig from the Pacific Coast, from the Miners, brought him up. Koenig was a key player for the Cubs during the 32 um, pennant race. But then the Cubs only voted him a half share of World Series money. And Koenig, of course, had been a, a teammate of Ruth and Gehrig's back in the 20s on, on the great 1927 team, for example. So Ruth, I think, got things started in New York, kind of trash-talking Cub players. And that just carried over into Chicago. As for the fans, I think the fans in Wrigley Field were delighted to see Babe Ruth. And, you know, he's both a hero and an icon, and he's, he's a competitor. You know he's he's the big the big bam um, playing on the other on the other side side. So I, I think he just everything I've read about his appearance in Wrigley Field that day, even during fielding practice, they were throwing lemons at him. They were taunting him, and he was giving it right back to the fans. I mean, he loved to create a scene, and um, I think it started with Mike Mike Cone or Mark Koenig, but it just continued. And I think Ruth was able to build it. He's a performance artist. Why did fans of that time? waste perfectly good food like lemons and onions but it seems a crime to, what it was that a thing back then lemons and onions I, I, where'd that come from I don't really know where that came from but um in the accounts um that sports writers wrote of that game they apparently they brought lemons and oranges to the to the ballpark to throw it at Red Ruth I mean I guess it's more benign than throwing bottles or rocks but um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was a thing elsewhere or not. It's uh, it's a fascinating little tidbit. We're talking with Thomas Wolf, the author of the new book, The Called Shot, Babe Ruth, the Chicago Cubs, and the unforgettable Major League Baseball season of 1932. I'm wondering, Tom, uh, in, in your research, what did you learn about Babe Ruth that surprised you or that you didn't know? 
Um, I knew the outlines of his life and, and career, of course. I think as I researched more, I became aware of what an incredibly good athlete he was. Um, not only was he a terrific pitcher, I mean, he probably would have gone to the Hall of Fame as a left-handed pitcher if he'd never hit a home run. Um, he was that good as a, as a pitcher. But as I did the research, I also discovered he was a terrific bunter um, until his later years when he was kind of overweight and slowed down by the by physical excesses, um, he was an excellent outfielder. So I don't think he gets credit for being as good an athlete as he was. He was a really good golfer. Um, he loved to bowl. I mean, he was, he was good at a lot of things. And there's a kind of a popular image of him, I think, as being overweight, eating too much, drinking too much, socializing too much, et cetera. But he was an intense competitor. He got, he got in fights with his teammates if they didn't hustle. I mean, I, that was, I suppose, the thing that I found most remarkable as I did the research is what a complete player and competitor he was. As I know it, he was a prodigious man, drinking, eating, whatever he did, he tended to do it a lot. Um, is that what you know of Babe Ruth? Uh, was he a big drinker? Was he a womanizer? Uh, what was he like off the field? He was certainly a drinker and eater and a womanizer off the field at least up until the time that he married his second wife, Claire, in the late 20s. And she really did calm him down, I think. She accompanied him sometimes on road trips. And I think her presence and her management of their family finances probably sobered him a little bit in a number of ways. You mentioned um, him uh, socializing uh, up in Harlem. And of course, he also barnstormed with um, African-American players, the Negro League players. And his daughter, many years later, claimed that the reason Ruth never got a managerial job was because he would have insisted on um, having the major leagues integrated. So the racial aspect of Ruth really hasn't been fully developed, I don't think. Um, the person who's done the best job is Jane Levy in her most recent book, um, I think it's called Big Fella, um, where she has a whole section on the mythology of Ruth and Afri uh, being African-American and his connection to the community. I read... Um once, I think it was in Sports Illustrated. I, I don't remember how recent it was, but by the time he had turned eight years old, Babe Ruth had already chewed tobacco and, and drank whiskey uh, and, and was once sent to live at um, an, an, an industrial school for boys, a sort of a Catholic reform school, because he right. was thought at that time to be incorrigible. Um, was his childhood that wild? His childhood was pretty wild. I mean, I think by today's terms, we would say he grew up in a somewhat dysfunctional family. His father ran a bar and, you know, Babe, as a five, six, seven-year-old, was in and out of that bar and running around the streets. And I'm sure the stories about whiskey and cigarettes um, are true. And he was very, I think he did have a streak of incorrigibility that was, you know, brought under control when he went to St. Mary's Industrial School. He came under the influence of um, Father Matthias there, who really taught him baseball. While he was there, Ruth was actually being trained to be a tailor. That would have been his profession if he hadn't uh, latched onto baseball. Um, a tailor? <laughs> yeah, can you imagine uh, Babe Ruth at the sewing machine? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> to, to put it bluntly, no, no, yeah. I cannot. Thomas, before we let you go, I'm, I'm curious, how do you feel about um, the candy bar named after Babe Ruth? Is it, uh, <laughs> is it the best thing ever or is it grossly overrated? I think it's overrated. And I think he sued the manufacturer. I don't think he got an endorsement from it. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks again, Thomas, and best of luck with the book. Okay, thank you very much. Really All enjoyed right. it. Hey, let's welcome back the Mount Gregmore name game, the E edition. This is uh, my favorite part of the podcast and Christopher's least favorite, which makes it uh, sort of a fun dynamic, I think. Why do you, why do you keep hating on Mount Gregmore? Because you're determined to make it as uninteresting as possible. All right, let's see if we can do that again. <laughs> you know, we count down the top five U.S. first names, starting with the letter E. Uh, over the past 100 years, uh, then bring you to Mount Gregmore of whatever is the most popular. So, let's start. Number five, Emma. Number four, Emily. Number three, Eric. Number two, Edward. And the number one E name, Elizabeth. The Mount Gregmore of all time, Elizabeths. This has to be a boring list. Okay. I mean, the only like the only famous Elizabeths I can think of off the top of my head are just like the Queen Elizabeths. All right, why are you spoiling my my Mount Gregmore? Uh, <laughs> listen, first of all, Elizabeths only. No Liz, no Betty. Only Elizabeths are welcome to Mount Gregmore. First, our honorable mention, Elizabeth Frankenstein. That's right. In the classic 1935 film Bride of Frankenstein, the bride was named Elizabeth. So let me get this straight. Yeah. We, we can't have abbreviated Elizabeths like Liz or right. Betty. No but Betty we, Ford, sorry. But, but we can have fake Elizabeths. Yes. Now, here we go. The number five Elizabeth of all time. She was the English poet of the 19th century. She was the one who wrote, How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight. How do I love thee? Sonnet 43, maybe the most famous poem by, of course, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Please don't read something for every person, especially number four. Especially if it's something nobody's ever heard of. Oh, nobody's ever heard of How Do I Love Thee? Let me count the ways. I have it. Okay, well, number four. Anybody who watched sitcoms in the 1960s into the early 70s knew and loved the character Samantha Stevens, who starred in Bewitched. Alas, the actress would die of colon cancer at only 62. R.I.P. Elizabeth Montgomery. Jeez, way to just bring that one down. I actually had that one. I, I did a brief list of Elizabeths, and I was like, ah, the lady from Bewitched. How about Good that? for you. All right. And that, folks, is going to be the highlight of this <laughs> list right there for you. Well, you know, when you start with uh, Elizabeth Frankenstein, you can only go downhill. Number three. She's the U.S. Senator who ran hard for the presidential nomination this year. Might or might not be a Native American. It's Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, most likely the youngest Elizabeth to make an appearance here. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Number two, she was born Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Windsor 94 years ago. The world has known her for the past 69 years as the Queen of England and the UK, Elizabeth II. This is so bad. Why aren't we picking other names? Elizabeth is not an entertaining name. Elizabeth was number one. You realize now, you've done sick four of these so far, or five if you count the honorable mention. And I am just sitting here. None of this is like, I'm not laughing. I'm not learning. I'm, I'm just hearing you talk about random people named Elizabeth. 
And number one, the number one Elizabeth ever born. She was a businesswoman. She was a humanitarian. She famously was married eight times to seven different men. She most famously was an Academy Award winner who starred in films like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and Cleopatra, the one, the only, Elizabeth Taylor. Sweet. Yeah, that's controversial because I think most people would have Queen Elizabeth on that list, not me, Elizabeth Taylor. Like, even Elizabeth Taylor, like, I know she's an actress from a long time ago, but it just does nothing for me. Okay, well, you know, it's my podcast. <laughs> it does nothing. Look, we had a little humor, Elizabeth Frankenstein. Uh, that was honestly you know. the best part. Like, that was it. Your honorable mention was the best one. That should have been your... I want, that should have been number one, at least. Like, if you're gonna... I want this to be a legitimate list. But it's just boring. Now, We're doing a podcast. Okay, you know what's fun? Next week, right? E, what follows E? F. F is controversial. F you. No, we're going to have to improvise F, and here's why. I've been reading a top five because um, it's the top five of all the E's that appear in the top 100 overall. Well, in the F's, for the first time, there weren't five. There were only two. So we're going to have two F names. And then we're going to be able to improvise on the other three. Your dream come true. So stay tuned for the F's next week. Joy. All right. Another successful Mount Gregmore. That's debatable. <laughs> hey, thanks to our special guest, Juju Gotti, who spent a long time in the pod with us today. Uh, thanks to author Thomas Wolf. Hey, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And we really appreciate your support. Our podcast family is, uh, is one of the most loyal in the pod kingdom. And, uh, and we couldn't do it without you all. So um, we'll see you again next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.